Now breathe in and out. One, two, three, breathe, breathe, breathe. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Stoned and Social. This is the internet's number one comedy wellness podcast. I am your host, Namaste Nat. And this week I'm going to be asking you an important question. Do we really need more stuff to be happy? We are constantly being bombarded by messages that tell us that we need more stuff to be happy. And in the midst of a pandemic, a recession, and various other end of world factors, more and more people are really starting to question the value of shopping. Are you stuck in the trap of excessive consumerism? I know I am. So here to discuss how and why excessive consumption promises happiness, but might never deliver, is a fellow consumer, Kush, Katie, welcome back. Hey, Nat, thanks for having me. Once again, I don't know if I have to say that every time now, huh? Because now I'm just you do not. Whether, whether you want me to or yeah. not, now I just show You're just up showing up. Time. You're like, well, I'm here. <laughs> here <laughs> no, I am, no. I've got things to say. Love to have you, <laughs> love to have you on. It's been a blast hanging out with you this season. Now, Katie, you, you've been on a little bit, and I'm sure you've heard me rabble, rabble about capitalism, which we're going to get into, um, but is this a topic that you think about on the regular? Yes and no. Um, I mean, again, for anyone who maybe hasn't heard, um, so I am a professor of parks, recreation, and tourism, so I... Um, so, I mean, you can't really talk about tourism without capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of the stuff that I do kind of fights against um, that tourism as just this tool for capitalism and, and maybe are there other ways that we can get to it. Um, but as far as my own shopping, it's almost like, like kind of what you say of like, I don't, a lot of times I don't do things because it's like, I'm going to like damn the man. And like, <laughs> and I think about it from like anti-capitalism. It's more of just yeah. like, I'm just worn out. Like, I just yeah. don't have like the amount of things that it's just like, you got to get this. You got to stay on top of this. You got to, you know, the huge billboard right by my apartment. Oh, yes. it's like oh, I, yeah. The iPhone 15. <laughs> I'm like, good fucking god like can't we just find something and stick with it like why yeah, yeah so i love that we're going to get into this today what are you stoned on today oh yeah well, <laughs> that's a response <laughs> um <laughs> so today i'm uh having emerald sky peanut butter cups Oh, Ooh. they're delicious. Ooh. They're dangerous in the fact of, so it's 10 milligrams, um, but it's dangerous in the fact of like, they're so goddamn delicious that it's really hard to just eat one to remind yourself that like oh. it is cannabis infused. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but they're delicious. 
<laughs> I worry about edibles that are like that where I've eaten like two and I'm like, oh shit, wait, these are like 10 each. Wait. Um, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> happened to me a couple of times. Like it's good because when edibles first came around the block, oh, you could, it was like potent. Like oh. you could just taste the weed and everything. And for me, when I'm doing edibles, I don't want to taste my weed. I want to taste the edible when I'm smoking or, you know, using it that way, then yeah, I want to, I want to taste the leaves, but otherwise like mask the shit out of that for me. So that's good. That yeah. sounds like a good edible. I'm a little jealous. Um, mm -hmm. I am, I made some homemade energy edible balls. I know Stoner mm -hmm. Lights have heard me talk about these before, but you guys may hear I'm sick. The vid got me again. And so I, you know, I'm in there like an old mad scientist lady trying to make like energy canna cbd cgn energy balls so that's what i've mm. had today that's the only are medicine they i did last time are they working do you think do you feel it it's definitely making me not give a shit about the vid which is <laughs> really that's really what i wanted so in a way yes in a way it is working <laughs> yeah so, mask up folks if you're one of the what, i know 49 yeah. million americans traveling yeah, like, yeah mask yeah. up mask up like i said i'm happy this gives me an excuse for the holiday where people are like oh you just don't want to come and it's like no i can't now i'm so sick <laughs> You're um, like, that's uh, only part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's only part of it. Like that, that's only part of it. Now let's get into some consumerism history. I know we love giving our Stoner Lights a little bit of background and I feel like a national consumer culture first kind of came to the US back in the 19th century, but the origins of this sort of consumer society go back for a century before that. I think I was reading in the 1780s that old Tommy J had dreamed of, um, you know, self-sufficient human farmers, and he wanted to streamline this for manufacturing. But consumption in Thomas Jefferson's Utopia would revolve around just the basic requirements of substance, all of which was supposed to be found in the land. And he had this idea, but it was not really an accurate description of how most people now live in the US. And if anyone doesn't know, he was one of the nation's most conspicuous consumers. He went into a lot of debt. He filled his home, which is local to me in DC, Monticello, with expensive goods from all over the world. And so I think that's so interesting that we have one of the founding fathers who was like, okay, buy stuff and then got himself in a debt hole, like Im immediately, <laughs> like if the president is going in debt, what hope do we have? None. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> That's, That's it. That's it, guys. That's our episode. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's just rooted. It's rooted in so much. Um, really, when we talk about this streamline, I didn't even really think about it until you were talking, um, describing it there. 
you know, you know me, I love to tie everything back to tourism as much as I can. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm yeah. here for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really actually some of the, the ways that we kind of got um, a little bit of like that, the modern day, um, what are we, it's like a vagabond and stuff like that, but mm, that's, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. like that kind of culture of like the hostile backpacking culture and stuff. It came from this idea of where we were, and this is like over in Europe, but um, it was, you know, every little village had, you know, the blacksmith, the this, the that, you yeah. know, that made it to where these villages were self-sustaining. And then, mm -hmm. but once we started streamlining everything like that um, in manufacturing, then all of that work could be done in these urban cores and so um, all these like young guys lost their job and their purpose makes sense. um yeah so then they would travel trying to find Gosh. work in these places and so along these routes that's when all of the things that we think about with tourism of like bars and brothels and mm. everything else that young guys like <laughs> or that any young person likes um started springing up around these routes because mm -hmm. uh, yeah oh, oh my god see from the beginning of time tourism has always been combined <laughs> with with capitalism with this fast production uh what is it, it? fast fashion it. yeah <clears throat> okay let's talk a little bit don't get me started on fast fashion. i know <laughs> god. as soon as i said the phrase i was like oh that's a whole different episode that's oh. a whole different episode. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah okay so let's see let's talk let's dive in let's see a little consumerism history here oh going yes, way back yes. like you said <laughs> during, during the middle and late 19th century the u.s gradually developed a national market oh it was born along the dramatic <laughs> expansion of the telegraph and railroad after the civil war uh where people livestock goods everything you could think of crisscrossed the continent faster cheaper uh, oh my god the battle cry faster uh -huh. cheaper <laughs> um hold on i lost my place faster cheaper and more reliable than had been possible previously so for example in 1830 eight, let's see we're going way back wow, going way back <laughs> <laughs> it took three it took only three weeks it took three weeks my god can you imagine three i ordered something. weeks yeah i ordered something on uh i about said capitalism i ordered something on amazon <laughs> same thing <laughs> the other day. uh and and you know it's like i get annoyed because i'm like oh it's gonna take two days to get here instead yeah. of one and it's just like jesus christ three weeks three like, weeks oh, three weeks we're built for that uh, to move something from new york to chicago so that's not even like across the whole country that's not even across country Jeez. chicago yeah uh and so then and so we've got that in 1830 then we move up to 1860 and it took only three days and by 1880 okay. people and goods can make the journey in less than 20 four hours what okay okay so and this is your tourism stuff as well this is like we're getting trains is that why we're getting trains around this time 
Yeah. I mean, I yeah. actually don't know. I, I can say yeah with confidence, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So because I know for a while it was just trains for for goods and not people, but then I think we started to to realize yeah. we didn't have that much stuff to be shipping. We needed people. <laughs> exactly, and that's it. Yeah. So that's we've got the westward expansion and all of that. Okay. I think we've talked okay. about that a little bit in a different one where, yeah, it's this idea of people. So while, you know, the East Coast then was getting more and more industrialized, then people were trying to um, head on out west so that they mm -hmm, could. Mm -hmm. But again, it's these, it, it, you know, now we call it, we talk about it in like ecotourism and stuff like that. But it's like at the core of it, it's still, you're still buying a package. You're still packaging oh, yeah. something. Yeah. For people to to be a part yeah. of um and that's yeah and the rail railroads but uh got us down into florida you know i feel like we should have a bell every time we say florida we mentioned florida yeah <laughs> ding 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 florida and then we can go angel loses its wings <laughs> uh so yeah so this so what that's actually called is the transportation revolution uh, okay. historians, you know, we love to label things. Historians <laughs> call it the transportation revolution uh, because it knit together this economy of unprecedented scale. Again, where we're not okay. just having to deal with in our own little areas, we can, you know, mm -hmm. reach out and now we're more connected than ever. I'm talking 1860s, 1880s saying we're more connected <laughs> than ever. Good God, good God. If you could have had a crystal ball to see how connected we are now. Oh, jeez. Um, but yeah, so uh, because essentially, like I was saying previously, these local, these scattered and localized transactions, we could have more frequent uh, all day, every day with that card mm -hmm. out. Now you don't even have to. Jesus, I forgot my, I got to the coffee shop the other day and I <laughs> forgot my purse, which I'm like, how did I get oh, my car no. without my purse? Yeah, just an entire purse. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and I was like, oh, that's right. I have my phone though and I can pay for things on my phone. So don't ever worry. You don't have to ever delay making that purchase. <laughs> right there. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about this industrialization that I keep bringing up. So it brought the economic growth and rising incomes. Oh, there we go. Now more money, more oh. problems. <laughs> yep. I don't know yep. if it could ever sound more white going out of my anyway. Uh from eighteen <laughs> from eighteen sixty-nine through nineteen hundred, real per capita income rose by two point one percent a year. We're having parties, we're Oof. going crazy. Uh, even though it had significant depressions beginning 1873, 1884, 1893, um, the long-term trend was strongly upward, upward and onward spending power. Oh, yes. Well, that's because in the 19, in 1900, only one in four families even had running water and less than one in five had like an ice box and i read one in six had a toilet that would flush so you got no tvs no daycare centers no health clubs no birth control pills video store fast food outlets none of these are available you got nothing no i mean yeah it's 
<laughs> growth is growth is I mean you, can you go, got stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can go quickly whenever your bar is set pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah, in six had yeah. a flush toilet, but that's pretty good. One in six at that point. I guess that's the guild where that's the gilded age there, right? Where we are just putting on yep. airs. Yeah. Yep. My yep. yeah. Like my mom talks about visiting her grandma and didn't have oh, a yeah, with an outhouse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I uh I was a kid when my mom took me to like her great aunt's farm. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, you know, six six maybe six or seven and they're like mm-hmm. okay yep yeah, it's this way and i'm like okay and they're like it's out this door and i'm like all right and i go outside i'm just standing outside and they're laughing at me through the window they're like it's that little box over there and i'd never seen one as a kid and so um yeah. you know one and six she's still living in 1900 at that point she- yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like i won't walk down the hallway through the bathroom with the lights off <laughs> Yeah, well, outside. Out no, no. Uh, I would have just held it my whole life. Um, <laughs> Your whole life. My whole life. Yeah, I would have been a medical marvel. Um, so, as the twentieth century began, though Americans had access, and we're going to get to some of this uh, wartime booms here, folks. Uh, booms and busts. Booms and busts. Um, most Americans, the as the beginning of the 20th century, most Americans had access to a substantially higher standard of living than that of their ancestors. But we already oh. know. I mean, the bar wasn't set too oh, high. Oh yeah. Uh, but still, <laughs> get yourself a water jug and you're good. <laughs> no, but families still spend the bulk of their incomes, uh, an average of about 70 percent, on food, shelter, and clothing. Um, but they had more and often better choices. Oh, more choices and Mm-mm. often better choices in these expenditures than earlier generations had enjoyed. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. okay. And then and then we're getting back to tourism. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love that. your face right now. <laughs> With glee, you're like, yes. For the listeners, I had ju- I just turned over my page of notes, and I was like, and I <laughs> saw a note that I put in right before I got on here, so I got really excited to talk about it. Um, <laughs> because that's so the last thing um, is this like far, far away. So I've covered so much time at this point. <laughs> We've got we started in the 1830s. Now we're in like mm-hmm. the 1940s, um, but that's okay. Uh, But yeah, so the other big thing, like kind of a big turn in all of this, especially when we think of like travel and tourism and things, uh, is that post-World War II boom, um, which kind of we're going to talk about the boomers later. Um, But yeah, everything was booming. Uh, Bedrooms bedrooms were booming. Um, But so what happened, you know, that's when we had, but we had a lot of labor reform. We had um, Mm -hmm. income reform, all of that. So that's when we were starting to have this middle class that people tell us exists. Um, But at that time it did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like these people coming back from war, they've got money, they're going to school, they're starting families, um, everything else. But also at that time, um eisenhower kind of helped to spearhead the highway system that we know now Mm -hmm. so now Mm -hmm. people 
they are able to own cars. Some of some people even two cars. They've got weekends off. They've got an eight hour workday, and they're making them some money. Um, so that's when people started really. That's when we get our idea of like that type of travel, like that Route sixty six mm-hmm. and the family vacation where mm-hmm. you're packing it up okay. and you're going, yeah, to the motels, things like that. Um, so that, and that's really also, so at that point too, because it became such this like packaged and commoditized experience that people were having, um, that's Mm -hmm. when we kind of start to see tourism as we know it today. So as almost a little bit more of a status symbol and, you know, we're moving away from this, like just health and wellness for yourself. I'm going to the ocean for the salt water to like, (laughs) you know, aid my ailments too. I need to show the neighbors that we're going on vacation this summer and they're not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I blame, I blame Europe for this. I love blaming Europe for most (laughs) things, (laughs) but you know, the modern consumerism that we know now, it, it stems so much from Europe. Um, the invention of the department store uh, in the mid 19th century in England quickly spread to everywhere in Europe. And then over here, you got to see those crazy displays mm-hmm. the department stores had. Um, and it was kind of a spectacle at the time. There was entertainment, sometimes there was live people in the displays. And we travel, you know, we'll be traveling to London this christmas we go back multiple times a year and it's one of the things i notice it reminds me very much of la display fronts where like the stores mm-hmm. are still so over the top you see it in times square as, as well these department stores where there are people i'm friends with people who have had just the job of creating the front display mm. of the store and that's all mm. to feed someone into the store because that's how you get these these people in you mentioned yeah the psychological effects of you know trying to keep up with the joneses and also instill a little bit of envy in thy neighbor and so i think it's immediately clear that this sort of consumption and buying stuff goes beyond just satisfying a physical or psychological need for food or shelter and that Mm -hmm. the material goods that we look for now are deeply implicated by our psychological and social lives we use things to kind of create identities around stuff. And it's about, like you said, status, social um, social status, the identity, social cohesion. You, we were talking about the Apple phone, right? <laughs> Everyone will know if you don't have the latest Apple phone, they'll look at your phone and like, who gives a shit? I'm not an <laughs> Apple nerd, but I know that there's people who are like, oh, they're using the 12 and it's like, okay. And so it's definitely a, a different way of looking at things nowadays. And we've even got yeah. things like what, by the 80s and the 90s, we get enormous shopping malls, like the Mall of America in Minnesota, where, you know, yeah. you've got an indoor roller coaster, you've got aquariums, <laughs> like it's like going to an amusement park there. Like it's, it's wild that that's a mall. Um, and I just think that when we look at this kind of consumerism it's been 
supported. It's been expanded. And uh, particularly, <laughs> you're mentioning around like World War II and stuff, we start getting the invention of the credit card. And Woo! even though some people only use them for convenience, paying off their balances in full each month, there's a lot of people, I think I read about half of the credit card holders use them as a form of borrowing and carrying unpaid balances. And that interest annually can exceed 30%. I didn't know about credit cards when I first went away to college and I got in massive debt. My dad gave me a credit card and said, use it for emergencies only. You don't tell an 18 year old to use a credit card for emergencies only because everything yeah. is an emergency. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, credit cards are the devil. Like I, I vehemently dislike credit cards. Yeah, I don't, it's just, it sucks. <laughs> They're almost sucks. like a necessary evil. Like at this mm -hmm. point, the way everything is just kind of set up, it's almost like, well, it, I was going to say on the one hand, it's like, find me someone who just like doesn't use credit cards or doesn't have one. And it's, and now they're kind of the anomaly. But at the same time, that person, how many people do we also know who did do their whole life trying so hard to be like, I'm not going to do credit cards. I'm mm -hmm. not going to do. And then the minute yep. they try and get a home loan or something, they're like, you have yep. no credit. You can't get a home yep. loan. Yeah. That's me. Yep. Is this is why we have credit cards now we i paid you know i paid off my my credit card debt in college and then i vowed no no more credit cards ever and so i haven't had a credit card for about 15 years but we're looking to buy a new house and the first thing they said is like you don't have any credit and i was like but i have tons of savings and they were like right but we're credit score like why don't you have any credit cards anywhere and so they told yeah. us they were like you got to get something get a target card get so i have like target old navy like i've got some store cards but i hate mm -hmm. having these credit cards like i fall asleep at night being like oh credit cards like i just hate <laughs> them i hate them so much i know yeah we're just like set up to where mm -hmm. yeah the system just says that you have to so then and then it turns around and then if anyone gets in credit card debt it's like well you're irresponsible and it's like that's well, what you get yeah it, uh, you said you remember them peddling this at college right oh yeah yeah so i went to school i would have got into college in 2001 like the fall of 2001 is when i would have started undergrad and the thing is, is that I think at this point, it was close to being on its way out. Maybe not. It was like my brother and sister above me had it even more. But, um, but yeah, I don't know if you remember. It was like when you would just show up to college, like <laughs> any of any of like the booths or it would be like sitting out. Yep. They would have tables outside of the bookstore. And it was just like yep. it was a constant of just sign up for a credit card, sign up for a credit card. It's free, it's free. And you'd get a t-shirt and what college kid doesn't want a free, free t-shirt. Yeah, and so then it's, so people are just signing up for credit cards because it was literally like, you had to show nothing. And so nope. then it was also, yeah, because it was like, you didn't have to get a, your, you know, show your parents, they didn't have to sign on to it. Like, and so, you know, you're 18 and you're just like, 
this is me. I'm an adult. I'm going to do my Yo, own money. And it's I got like, debt. What? Yeah. And so, and I actually met someone when I was living in Austin. And that's what he, his job after he got out of college was to just go around the country for one of these, you know, like oh, Citibank or whoever. And like just wow. pedal credit cards to college students. And that's what he was like. He was like, I don't know. It paid off my loan and I, my loans and I, got to, and I got to travel around the country. He's like, yeah, but all I did, the more students I got to sign up, the better. And it was just like, wow. good God. So then mm. that's when it was like, and as part of, you know, the world just fell to shit then in 2008, <laughs> um, when it was just like everything was imploding and the housing, yeah. yeah, and all of the bubbles were bursting and stuff like that. So if, because I don't, you know, I I think that you don't see this anymore. Um, and if, if you are younger and you've never heard of what we're describing, um, <laughs> it's because in 2009, um president barack obama if you all uh remember if we we all (laughs) think back to a different time um president barack obama (laughs) with a young buck joe biden (laughs) president anyway it's the most uh, cognizant he's ever been (laughs) no he was like 97 then um so he actually signed into law the credit card accountability responsibility and disclosure act so the credit card act um <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah so just easy straightforward uh so yeah that mm-hmm. law ended ended these practices uh where the interest rates could change at any time because that's it too i mean they're not only are we just kids signing up for this we have no idea like what we should be keeping track of and things <laughs> and so so it was like the interest rate would just change. They would hide all these fees. They would do all this kind of stuff. And so that's what the credit card act took away that you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it specifically in there, it limited credit card marketing directed at college students. Oh, um, good. good. Yeah. And so then one year later, uh, what you may have heard of uh that's when the dodd frank wall street reform Mm -hmm. um and then the consumer protection act uh the cfpb uh and all of that that kind of took in that credit card act and it expanded Mm -hmm. it a little bit further so i mean clearly there's still people being targeted that shouldn't there's still like insane um interest rates and things like that but uh for for those of you younger listeners uh what you might not realize is it used to be worse it's been worse yes <laughs> hard, way hard to imagine, worse <laughs> but it used to be worse um 29.9 is what my interest rate was i loved i loved God. when i would see that and um i i remember back in the day what really made me like stop using it is you mentioned like the interest rate would change and that's it. They would just send you a letter saying your interest rate was going to change with no real reason. That's it. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's it. No reason, rationale why. It's just, that's what it is. And yeah. And if you don't, I mean, if you don't have a leg to stand on, there's nothing you can do really at that yeah. point. Yeah. And yeah. even now it's hard. Uh, there's nothing that, no leg to stand on to be like 
hey, you need to lower this. And they're like, hey, you don't. <laughs> the only thing that you could maybe do is threaten to cancel the card. Um, and yeah, then sometimes they, it doesn't even. Sometimes. Yeah. So who's in debt right yeah. now because of oh. this? Oh, <laughs> boomers. Yeah, oh, boomers. Man. Welcome to our world now. Boomer wow. debt is rising. Okay. Uh, so po while population growth is partly responsible for the increase in consumer debt among those 65 and older, uh, more than half of that debt can be attributed to the amount they choose to carry on mortgages, credit cards, auto loans, student okay. loans, and home equity loans. Um, so again, last year, get this, last year, older borrowers held higher per capita balances in every debt category except credit card debt compared to 2003. Ugh, okay. I wonder what that, why that is. Um, so although they are less likely to revolve, uh, to rely on their credit cards, those who do are more likely to carry a higher balance. Um, okay. So the downside obviously is increased debt uh, with a continued hangover. Boomers were hit hard from the housing crisis. Um, and oh, yeah. then, of course, increasing health care. Um, mm -hmm. And then so that's just, yeah, it's just putting a lot of baby boomers at risk. I mean, they're uh, they uh, they had some good times. Um, now they're having <laughs> <some> bad times. <laughs> I feel like we're on track for that. We were having some good times in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And now now we're, yeah. we're feeling that. I'm not surprised, especially if the boomers are getting this debt based on what you said, especially uh, with Eisenhower uh, trying to get yeah. credit cards and, and things going. I don't really like this. I feel like the pandemic really magnified this, but it changed a lot of aspects of our lives. And a big part of that was how we decide what we want to buy and what the social responsibility is that we expect from certain companies. And I know some people mm -hmm. are more keen on this than others. And this has been a thing for a while. But again, I think the pandemic sort of magnified it here in the Western society how people spend their money is usually tied to their professions and those perceptions of who we think we are. And so, you know, if you're a businessman, you've got suit jackets, you've got slacks. Um, if you are working in a high end tech field, then you might have something like a laptop that you need or smartphones and all of these things funnel into such things like vacations, like where you're going, what kind of car you're driving. Uh, Katie mentioned the iPhone and that's such a good thing because my husband is an iPhone whore and he has <laughs> to get every new iPhone when it comes out. And I say, why? And oh, he's wow. been begging me for the new iPhone for Christmas. And I'm like, but why your current iPhone still works? And he's like, yeah, but like the new one and he can't really explain why he wants it and like it's it's mm. obvious like he's just stuck in this consumer cycle um but i think yeah. a lot of these things shifted our priorities right status we've got instagram we're looking at these things so tell us a bit about this when we're talking about tourism and traveling because this is a i've noticed as someone who travels that holy shit vacation has increased yeah. in price <laughs> increased in price right 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of sides of that to think about. Like, there was one, I mean, if we want to talk about capitalism, good God. Um, like, last year, last summer and, and stuff, whenever everyone was, was trying to go on vacation and things like that. Oh, um, yeah. And, it, oh, oh, it was when it was the perfect storm of uh, Juneteenth and Father's Day in the same weekend. Remember oh, that weekend? I guess that was yes. a year ago in June. Yeah, so yeah. we were coming, I guess there was a triple threat because we were coming off the pandemic and then mm -hmm. it was the first year that we uh, recognized Juneteenth. So everybody had that Monday off and then it also happened to be Father's mm -hmm. Day on that Sunday. So it was just like the world, or not the world, the US was leaving their houses and it was just, yeah. and the, then the airlines, you remember, couldn't handle it. And it was oh, just yeah. like... Yeah. So whether it, whether Flights it was their awful. technology, yeah, or their they didn't have enough pilots, they didn't have enough flight crews, and so that's what. It, mm -hmm. And so then the people, like the CEOs of the airlines, would come on and be like, "Well, we there's no way that we could have expected this amount of people purchasing tickets." And da da da. Right. And I was like, "Well, for one, there is a way." Like economists, yep. you know. Um, that's what they that. do they forecast things mm -hmm. um but also what you could have done was stop selling fucking tickets yes <laughs> i hate that the new thing is when they're like does anyone want to change their carry-on to go under the plane because we have too many people and too much luggage and it's like stop charging me 120 dollars each way to put my luggage under and i would and so like the, yeah. the airlines piss me off during this like i they did such a piss yeah. poor job of like accommodating people um after the pan the height of the pandemic yeah so it, it yeah it was just like i would sit there and scream i'm like do you know <laughs> that like no one is requiring you to sell more oh yeah tickets like you can just if nope. you have realized stop. that you have expanded your capability then stop selling them and it's just like yep. oh poor us we need help and it was just like you're <laughs> you're the one doing it like good god yes like no the consumers are not going to come burn your house down if they're <laughs> they're just going to be like oh i guess oh, yeah. I don't get a ticket jesus Christ. yeah anyway so that so that one oh god oh i get mad about that one um the poor victims the victims the poor victims. billionaire victims yeah. um but yeah so that's so it's some it's it's interesting when we think about um again this where we know that we've got like a changing consumer in that we are more uh we responsible we do our homework we you know we like to you know talk with our dollars as we say of like take it away if if people mm -hmm. aren't acting responsibly um but again where we where people tend to um hang that hang those values on a hook is uh whenever it's time to go on vacay <laughs> and, then, and then it's like fuck that i want yeah. i want the yep. biggest experience but yeah and so that's actually what happened after the pandemic is like so during the pandemic you know there's two kind of fighting sides of tourism um when we talk about like from an academic standpoint um and the one side is like sustainable tourism and and you know tourism is used as a tool to just help as an add-on to like help communities and mm -hmm. things like that 
And then we've got the business side of like, forget you, you little tree huggers. Like, <laughs> you know how much money we can make through tourism? And so everything. And so it was like during the yeah. pandemic, that fight was us saying like, for the first time ever, we have this unprecedented event where we can actually like restart and we can think of tourism mm -hmm. to have it in this responsible way. And over here, they're like, we gotta, we gotta open up as fast as we can. We gotta make more money, da da da. And so we were kind of thinking that we were, we, I'm over in the tree hugger, I guess, side. And it was just <laughs> like, we, we can do this. Like everybody's at home yeah. and everybody is like so in tune with all of the yeah. things going on. And like, they're gonna be on our side. And then everybody sat in their houses about a yep. year too long. And then yep. what we had is uh, what we call revenge tourism. And that is okay. like people just slingshotted out of their houses and they're just <laughs> like, I, gimme, gimme, gimme. They're like everything yeah. I've ever wanted, everything I've wanted to yep. do, I'm gonna do it. I gotta do it now. I don't care if it puts yep. me in debt. I don't care if it destroys the environment. Like I'm doing it. Life's too short. Let me spend this money. Let me wreck this earth. Yep. And uh, and now, and so, and then again, like we talk about the airlines, everybody else, they were just sitting yep. back and raking it in. They were like, they were. hell yeah. Yeah. And so now, like you say, price of airline tickets, everything else. Oh, it's I insane. can't even imagine having a family, <laughs> like having kids where I had to buy the <laughs> Like, no, it costs no. me. Six hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or something just to go yes, someplace. Yes, we're paying twelve hundred dollars to fly from DC to London, and just Jesus. I know for a fact, just five to eight years ago, this flight was half that. Oh yeah, and so Absolutely. I'm like, kids? Nah, no. Like it's it's the the rampantness in which, and the thing is. It, the layman could have predicted this. You have people yes. who have been sitting in their homes, not out doing stuff. Things have been closed. You know, my accountant was like, Nat, you've saved so much money. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. That's yeah. why I haven't anything and so i use that money to go on vacation i tried not to get stupid because mm -hmm. i was aware that that was a thing that people were just like going out doing stuff and and spending all the yeah. money that they had because they thought they needed to you know life short yeah. i heard a lot of my friends <laughs> exactly life short. yeah that's wild that's wild yeah. i like that you you know you mentioned the boomers and i guess some people don't realize but right now there's really two distinct groups of people who are going to probably shape how this consumerism stuff shakes out in the future we've got the 40 year old and we've got the 20 year old and the oldest millennial who will be turning 40 this year or last year has the most mm -hmm. spending power they've mostly recovered from the decade-long struggle following that 2008 financial crisis they're spending on the biggest purchase of their lives hopefully which is a house in fact a lot of consumers over 50 now account for more than half of all of the u.s spending like you well, like you were talking about but the oldest mm -hmm. gen zer who's going to be turning 24 this year or last year has a lot more sway in this consumer behavior because a decade before 
they replace millennials as the largest spenders, they are already being seen as tastemakers. They get to um, kind of have this take on the consumerism and things that they're buying right now during this stage of life, which we all fall into that when we're that age. So everything that they're mm-hmm. buying for their their lifestyle choices are likely to be shaped to be the oldest members of these generations and i'm talking specifically about things like the halls and the youtube (laughs) channels that are about those katie talk to us a little bit about some of these halls have you seen these do you watch these i i know i find this hilarious that um i'm gonna be the one talking about the hall because i don't i don't know i actually had with my students the other day, I actually had like my first experience where I didn't understand the sentences coming out of their mouth. They were telling, they were telling me like where they were going that weekend, like to what festival and oh, who was no. going to be there. And like, it just felt oh, like no. foreign words. And it is, I am telling you, if you have not experienced yet, it is an unsettling feeling. It's terrifying. Whereas, yeah. Yeah. People tell you it's coming and you're just like, oh, I get it. I get oh, it. And sure, it's just like, sure. yeah, when you're in the you. heat of it, it's just like, oh, crap. Like I have become yeah. officially disconnected with <laughs> what young people do, except for the fact, the other weird thing is the fact that, of course, the fashion right now is that like late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, and yeah. So it is the it's confusing. Yeah, because I sit there I'm and like, I, I wore that. Students, yeah, dressed in my exact <laughs> outfits. And I'm like, I think that I still have some of that in my closet. And you all would definitely make fun of me if I tried to wear it right now. Um, but yeah, it's a weird, unsettling thing. But that's okay. This is me. This is me being hip, trying to get cool with yes. what people are doing. Let's do it. Um, with Let's the halls it. and the YouTube. Uh, the halls in the YouTube, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, so let's see here. I got to look at my notes. So YouTube's <laughs> beauty and fashion communities. I do do this a lot because I have no idea how to do anything with uh, like makeup and stuff, um, which are some of the biggest drivers for teen purchases. Uh, look nothing like they did three or four years ago. Oh, shit. See, I didn't even, I wasn't even there three or four years ago, but that's okay. Uh, We're going to get through this and then you'll hear my opinion on all of it. Um, So in 2017, 2018, so hauls. So those are like the YouTube video where the influencers show all the stuff they bought on camera. My best friend growing up used to do this to me and make me just go into her bedroom and she would tell me how much everything cost us. She got it. But now apparently she would have been a great YouTuber. I bet she would have made millions. Um, But anyway, so they show all the stuff they bought on camera um, and they ruled YouTube. So this was 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then they would even do like the come shopping with me, like types of vlogs. Um, so as entertaining and useful as some of those videos may have been to watch, um, they're linked, uh, they've found that they're actually linked to very serious effects on teens' mental health. I can see that. Um, Mm -hmm. so when consuming these types of videos every day though, oh my gosh, uh, kids and teenagers, they started to develop FOMO. Who can't forget Mm -hmm. FOMO? 
Um, <laughs> and we're led to believe that all they needed was to own boxes of makeup to stay relevant and be happy. Uh, but following a wave of backlash from parents and mental health experts, apparently the tide is beginning to turn. That's good. Uh, I don't know. That's good. I think as well, a lot of these YouTube child people who were on there, they made millions by oh, reviewing God. toys and showing what they got for their birthday. And I do remember a story of a boy i'm pretty sure he was like six and he had the biggest deal ever with a target ad and it was only because he was a <laughs> popular youtuber and they wanted him in his commercial and so they paid him a lot of money and so you know you get free stuff as well if you're if you're you know out here you know singing the praises of these brands so a lot of these yeah. people are getting free stuff um and um yeah i just it was so it was it's so weird still to me to watch these things i was always yeah. watching with like a morbid curiosity um yeah that yeah, was and I, that was my take on them it was weird and i yeah i think it's interesting because it's like i the, i think it's changing from the like just kind of in your, just like any type of advertising changed um, and has evolved from like the in your face to um, much more subtle. And that's like the scary thing. I have a, I'm teaching a class right now that's digital uh, and online. The, I think it's fundamentals of digital and online media. So, um, mm -hmm. but my students will talk about how they didn't like these types of videos because it what did oh. feel like, yeah, that people were shoving stuff down their throat. But that's what they say they, they they like these people, which are you know we know are influencers, but they like these people mm -hmm. on Instagram and stuff where they just kind of do a day in the life stuff where it's not like I'm going shopping, mm -hmm. but because mm -hmm. then it's like, and they'll say like these actual phrases of like, yeah, because they're not trying to sell us stuff. They're just showing like mm -hmm. what they do. And it's like, oh, but mm -hmm. honey, they are. <laughs> they are though. They <laughs> Everything are. Everything they're wearing, everything yeah. they're doing, they're being paid to do that. And so it's like, yeah. no, they are still. So it's we've still got a ways to go with like the literacy because it keeps evolving mm -hmm. faster than like, yeah. we can they're catching teach up. the next generation. Yeah. yeah. That's I don't know, wild. but hopefully, but I do, I do see from, you know, my only connection to young people from my students <laughs> is, uh, they are from this consumerism side. Uh, it does seem to me like they are just like, I kind of said at the beginning, just kind of fatigued with it. Yeah. Of just the constant. Yeah. And like, cause in LA, you know, it's just, you've just got to stay oh, on yeah. top of the latest you better have that hustle. so quick yeah mm -hmm, and be mm -hmm. willing to go stand in lines and everything else and it's just like and they're just like it's i'm sick of it like i'm over it and and hopefully and that's the majority of them <laughs> i want to see that too i think it's interesting that you know i work with media so specifically social media day in and day out mm. and i i fucking hate social media but the thing <laughs> i notice the most is they're so everyone is selling something 
there are people that I have followed on YouTube or on Instagram, you know, for work, but also because I'm like, yeah, this person's interesting. And inevitably, they will start to share their affiliate links. They'll start to Mm. do reviews of things. They'll start having ad breaks. And so for me, I'm always just looking at my watch waiting and being like, okay, when are they going to get so popular that they have to start hawking stuff to me? Because that's what it feels like. And I think that drives up that feeling of fatigue where I don't, you know, I'm like your students, I don't even want to watch some stuff because I'm like, nah, they're just going to try and sell me something during this video. And it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, that's like, yeah, the, the, I don't know, the curse of success of like, if that's what you're going to do, like yeah, the only well. way to make money. Yeah. The only way to make money from it is you got is advertisers. So it's like, they're all their own little, yep. you know, NBC corporation and yep. they've got to just, ugh, yeah. yeah. It I seems mean, exhausting we- to me. It does seem exhausting. And I like that you pointed out about how the students feel because there's been tons of research that has shown things about consumer culture from an early age that has a lot of negative effects on personal and emotional development. The first thing is excessive buying affects your sense of well-being. Studies show this over and over again that materialism causes anxiety. It makes you have low self-esteem. It may lead to depression you mentioned FOMO all of these things are wrapped up in that right you can't have what mm-hmm. you see someone else having you can't go to the places that they're going you start to feel less than and when you yeah. do buy something when you when you do spend that money on that new iPhone or go to that place to get that Instagram picture that satisfaction that we're feeling is so short-lived and so mm. it's it's not worth it. In the long run, it lowers satisfaction. It can even lead to substance consumption, like cigarettes and alcohol can put you in a place where you want to like numb out the things that you're feeling mm. because you feel like you're missing out. Yeah, I don't know. And I can definitely see that um, in a way where I, I, when you say drugs and alcohol of numbing the feelings, I'm, I, my mind went straight to, uh, to numb out the, uh, consequences. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it's yeah. like, if you're doing debt and shit gotta, too, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, I've got, this is what I've got to do. I've got to spend this money. I've got to buy this makeup. I've yep. got to wear these clothes. And it's like, I know I can't do it. I know I can't afford it. And so then it's just like, mm-hmm. instead of thinking about it, I'm just gonna numb just out gonna to buy it. it. And it's, yeah. Wow. But yeah. Yeah. I well, there was also, you speak about like, uh, studies and things about, um, about how it's really this like materialism is affecting young people and like they've even had done mm-hmm. studies of how it affects um young people's performance in school whenever they really kind of adopt this materialistic viewpoint on the world um and so uh, one study that i found it was actually done in the philippines um it looked at how materialism or the focus on acquiring money and material possesses possessions is associated with students' <clears throat> academic engagement and achievement um, through their motivations. And so essentially they oh. found out that when, yeah, when students are, 
like prioritize a, a more materialistic viewpoint, um, they get mm -hmm. kind of this this a motivation. They they lose the motivation and engagement with school, and like they what they even say wow. is they like point out almost like the irony of that like school is. <laughs> plays a role in your economic success. Yeah. So then, yeah. So A plus B equals C, you know, so students who finish and do well in school earn more. Um, but highly materialistic students are undermining their own chance at economic success, wow. which would give them the ability to buy more material possessions oh. uh, because this materialism is then associated with lower levels of engagement and achievement. Um, and so I'm it's just, not, so at that point, well, you know, that's actually very <laughs> successful for the capitalist machine, right? Oh yeah. The when capitalist machine runs on despair. More. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, put it, we put it right there in the schools for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense when you're talking about, about how, you know, this makes you feel and the motivations you're, you're using to get to where you want to go. I think a lot of people buy mm -hmm. things and they're not really sure why they buy stuff. You know, the, the mm -hmm. materialism that we see nowadays, it will reduce the empathy that you feel for mm. possessions human connections and relationships because there are certain brands that the minute i learned their practices i was like i'm out and my friends mm -hmm. are like no but nat the quality of this and like and and they it's great i get it it's a brand and you want to be a part of it but i think wanting something that's expensive at the cost of what it is doing to another human is not is not worth it and so when we take mm. it outside of ourselves you know it's it it shows us when we're in the school setting like you're saying using that um demotivates these kids and actually puts them on the path to possibly be unhappy in the long run or not be as successful as they could be and you get the FOMO from wanting that stuff, but outside of ourselves, it also makes us view possessions as more worthy than pe the people creating these possessions. And I, I don't like that. Um, you mentioned about the sustainable values that these, the new kids and, and consumers are looking towards. And I mm -hmm. like that because that's going to help us stay away from being prone to waste, even in cannabis consumerism we have a big problem with waste because every product that's made sold mm. and consumed contributes to ocean pollution and i think in 2010 they said that was 8 million metric tons of plastic and we have to have these goofy single sale plastic packaging we can't reuse it that's a mm. whole other topic but it really feeds into this consumer thing because i've bought lots of cannabis things that I like, but it's like in a special package. And then once I open that package, that's trash. And then it's in a one-time use mm -hmm. container and then that's got to go in the trash. And so I don't, I don't like this idea that the things we buy doesn't really affect anything except us because it's, it's much bigger than that, right? It's much bigger than just having FOMO. It's being demotivated to your full potential. It's not thinking of people who are working on this as people. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's not caring about the environment. It, it just, it really 
it goes off the rail. <laughs> it, it goes does. off the rail. It really does. And it's the awareness that the new consumers and that modern consumers are finding. I, I love because mm -hmm. this, you know, the videos, the popularity of the whole videos, people don't watch them as much anymore. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of YouTubers who are, anti hauls now they products they won't buy because they're expensive they're overrated or they don't need them and mm. i think that people are really interested in some other goals like the self-realization the fairness the freedom the social relations the um, ecological balance and hopefully these goals can be attained through consumption but they usually conflict with our goals as consumers you know we we're talking yeah. about giving up purchasing certain things right and so it can be a basis mm -hmm. for self-respect it can be a significant part of what gives life purpose and meaning and that's why i love the anti-consumerism movement i Ooh. love that this has entered our sphere of collective awareness and this is just it's been a gut feeling that's been around for ages. You know, my parents filed for bankruptcy twice when I was growing up. And I learned earlier in college that they had something like 33 credit cards between the two of them, which is Jesus. just, I can't, yeah. even, I can't even imagine that. So um, it's been kind of in the background, but in the 90s in Canada, there started to be National Buy Nothing Day. And that occurs mm -hmm. on the day after Thanksgiving each year in the U.S. And this is an effort to combat the unethical and sometimes dangerous mob shopping behaviors on Black Friday. There was a Canadian artist named Ted Dave who established this holiday in 1992. And his idea was just to counteract the madness of holiday shopping by encouraging a mindful and environmentally friendly attitude towards all of this post-feast purchasing. So I don't know what you feel about Black Friday, but how would you describe Black Friday to people who have never heard of this? Because it's such a weird concept. So, uh, Black Friday, <laughs> to, for anyone who has never heard of Black Friday, um, that is where the large department stores put they have all of these secret sales that they won't reveal, which this is all past. I'm like talking, I, I sound like I haven't dealt with Black Friday since out, <laughs> but that's okay. But anyway, so they used to hold all of these sales. And so all mm -hmm. you would find out is, is they would start to tease them as it came out. But then it's like, oh, you've got to come here and you've got to line up mm -hmm. and be first in line because mm -hmm. there's only a so many amount of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. items that you're going to have here. And we're going to put it on these deep discounted things. And you can only get that during Black Friday, yep. the day after Thanksgiving. And so it was like, it started out that it was just like, it was, I mean, already we're starting to flirt with some ideas, right? Where it's like, that's weird mm -hmm. um, that we're just like pitting <laughs> and primarily, you know, women too, that we're just like pitting these women against oh, yes. each other. They've just, they've oh, yes. just, they've just cooked Thanksgiving dinner. And now it's like, now they got to go out and Midnight. like run a gauntlet so that they can yep. get, yeah, so that they can get a Cabbage Patch doll. Um, I just wanted <laughs> to keep it in the 80s. Um, 
but then then it started like going even crazier and so then it was just like a fight as to who's gonna have them earlier and earlier Mm -hmm, and so it mm -hmm, was like mm -hmm. the walmart started having you know they would open at 2 a.m and then another one was like well we're gonna open at 12 30 a.m and it's just like jesus christ so um so then anyway, it started to be then, 6 p.m. and shit, like on, yeah, then it on Thanksgiving on Day. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And that's what, like, you know, I I worked at I worked at Walmart for like six months when I was in high school and it happened to fall over Thanksgiving. And like I remember that. Oh, and that gosh. and the crazy thing that you would have to do, and this and this, listeners, is why nobody uh why they would hide their deals and stuff oh yeah oh yeah yeah because if not then what we would have is shoppers come in and they would find the thing and they would hide it and hold it yeah so that then when they could come and that thing would be uh, like you know 2 a.m hit they would come and find it and it was just nowhere it was and then employees were doing that because i mean hello employees need the discount too so employees are doing that (laughs) And it was just, but then it got real crazy and people were dying and it was, yep. um, and, yep. it, and now it's just Black Friday all the time. I don't Most, know. I yeah. swear it started in October. I don't oh, know. it did. It did. I've been getting things from um, Daddy Bezos telling me about Black Friday deals for like weeks now. And I know Target and Walmart this year decided, oh, we're going to close for Thanksgiving. Like, that's great. But my family, I just told you, you know, we were in massive credit Mm -hmm. card debt unbeknownst to us. We were Black Friday people. We lined Mm -hmm. up at midnight. We waited for the store to open. And I really miss the hunger games of the mall. I do miss that aspect. I do miss running in and just grabbing stuff. Um, But now that I look back, you know, I missed it because I was a kid and it was just insanity as an adult. That kind of chaos (laughs) and greed is, it's off-putting we had a, a we had someone get shot over a 60 inch television a couple of years ago near us it wasn't yeah. fatal but i don't really do black friday anymore because i have to ask myself no. am i willing to fight for this microwave or whatever it is um no i mean no, i'm not i'm not I'm not willing to do can it. you no. imagine it's like when people you know when inevitably we get blasted off this planet and like a new <laughs> civilization comes they're they gonna come look and, at us yeah they're gonna be like oh so like the 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 people who own the stores would make like the poor people who relied on yep. sales they're like here here's in a maze sale. and then they would then we would fight to the death for yep. to get that thing and it's just like yep. because we truly like you said fought because there's like oh of yeah of course there's the shootings but then it was always a, um because people would be so pressed up at Push the doors yes. yeah so yes. then the employees when they would unlock the door would get trampled yeah and like yes. people were dying because the shoppers would trample the people who were unlocking Times the doors oh good god it was Times wild wild Times and everyone's wild. like this is the greatest thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> now black i guess black friday isn't 
bad, but I just, you know, I don't, I struggle to even call this a holiday. I don't want to disparage mm -hmm. the opportunity to get a sale for some people, but I think this is more, you know, buy nothing day. It's more about taking America's consumers out of autopilot because so many of us have done mm -hmm. that for so long. That that's what we know. So let's talk about if you want to swap out shopping this year and participate in buy nothing day with us you've just been a day giving thanks for all you have or you've enjoyed just a nice day from your usual grind so here's some alternative ways to spend your black friday first one up is support some local businesses and especially on small business saturday don't waste your time waiting in line for black friday deals especially because most of them are online now support your local business and go on small business saturday i'll be buying some handmade soap some can of soap that someone local to me makes and so that's what i'm saving my money for this year yeah small businesses and you can go to small businesses any day of the week mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes doesn't have to be black friday yeah mm -mm. uh let's see you can spend the day sitting near your family uh <laughs> You know, if you don't like to talk to your family or you want to, um, yeah, you can just spend the day sitting near your family, doing what you love, sitting on your iPhone. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, make a game of it. Tag, post things on on uh, X. No, don't post anything on no, X on Black no, Friday. On Let's X. wait that day. No. Yeah, don't give yeah. him anything. That's a trash um, fire. <laughs> Yeah, but like exchange memes and tag family members. Ooh, very passive aggressive. That's the way I like. You know, I'm from the Midwest. That's how we live life. Passive aggressive. That's how you do Here's it. what I think of you through a meme. Through a meme. <laughs> I love it. You can also people watch. I know I said I don't like doing Black Friday, but I get to spend no money at all if I get to, you know, we used to live right across the street from a Target, and so I could see it from my house. I could just sit in the living room and watch the chaos, you know, ensue, see people putting up tents the night before to wait for something. <laughs> um, you can also do something fun like hey i used to hang out uh cookies and milk to people because i just felt bad for them um be a hero on black friday um but be careful <laughs> don't get bitten by accident because people are wild out there they are wild don't yeah don't ever make it seem like you're cutting in line um <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get a beat down um hey how about you watch how about you have a holiday movie marathon uh there's already mm. some decent looking uh holiday movies <laughs> of course we've of course you've got hallmark which hallmark has already um put out oh, yeah. there what like 25 chris or 25 yeah. movies of christmas that you can start checking off so if you haven't started hallmark. checking them off you're actually <laughs> behind um so you've got to catch up on hallmark and just go yeah. and escape to a world that doesn't exist but just where every ending is a happy ending yeah um what better way to do that and then or you know you you could do die hard you could do any of these uh holiday there's plenty to go around so have oh, a yeah. holiday movie marathon stay in your elastic waisted pants um because you've just eaten a lot and uh <laughs> and uh i, like I think it. that's great yeah i like it 
You can also make a donation. Sometimes when I'm not doing Black Friday, instead of purchasing something for me or my family, I go through all of my excess of junk and I clear out the closets. I clear out the toy chest. I clear out uh, any sort of things I want to donate. I literally have a trunk full of donation things right now so I can take it to the Salvation Army or Goodwill. Someone is going to make good use of stuff. And the sad thing is I noticed some of the things i donating still have tags on them i didn't even wear them or use them i just again consumerism <laughs> oh whenever you have all the steals and deals at your fingertips how can you ever stop um you can counteract Jayden. you can counteract <laughs> the madness so while the rest of the world goes on a shopping spree think about ways that you could shift operations in your own home um, like we talked about, minimizing waste. Um, mm -hmm. So again, you know, when we talk about things like sustainability and being environmentally friendly, people are saying that just reduce, reuse, recycle is not quite enough. Uh, it is just how do we stop using new things? How do we just yeah. continue using the things that we already have? So go through your house. Start by like looking that. at everything you just made the day before on Thanksgiving and how can you reuse them? How can you make sure that everything gets used again mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. littlest as possible actually going into the trash? Um, and then, hey, you've got a whole day ahead of you. Go around your house and see if you can find any of that stuff. As you think about um, gifting things to people, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. let's get over this idea of getting insulted if somebody re-gifts something to you. If, if somebody, if somebody, yeah, if somebody gives me something that I need or that I would like and they just happen to own it for a year or two before then, care. who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares? Now I need it. They don't need it. Now I need it. Yeah. yeah. So I like so that. I like that. <laughs> you can also, just like you're doing now, I know uh, more than a few of us, a lot of us are going to be traveling to feast with people. And whether you're making the journey on a plane, train, automobile, um, or you just want to drown out the sound of your racist uncle after dinner, bookmark some podcasts you want to check up on, listen to some old episodes of Stone and Social. I personally like the secret history of the future, which is so fun. It's talks about all kinds of things uh, from the past and the future, like the world's first cyber attack um, in 1834. It talks about 19th century virtual reality. There's also, uh, I love advice podcasts as well. Look, this is, see, this is consumerism telling me that <laughs> my time is up. Bezos always finds a way to interrupt me. Um, so you can also check out the Dear Prudence podcast, which is an advice podcast that I like because it just lets you hear other people's problems <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Katie? Do you have any podcasts you like to listen to? Oh, I do. I do. So most of the podcasts, um, I don't necessarily... Uh, I don't, I don't have intellectual podcasts, I guess. I have podcasts that make <laughs> me feel like I have friends. <laughs> yay! Uh, yay! Friends are great. Um, and who are your friends? Um, but yeah, so one that I've actually, I think has been around for a while, but I've like recently within the past six months um, started listening to it. It's called We're Here to Help. And it's Gareth Reynolds okay. and Jake Johnson. Uh, Jake Johnson of New Girl <laughs> fame. 
Okay. Uh, yes. But anyway, yeah. So they have callers that will call in and, and they want advice, you know, anything from how do I get off of my father-in-law's adult softball team to uh, <laughs> know, all kinds of just fun stuff like that. Um, and of course, there's okay. various examples of how they get out of it. Um, so yeah. So that's always a fun one because, again, anytime you can think of other people having um, worse off situations than your own life, isn't that a nice little break? It's, um, it's, and then the other one that I like is called True Story. It's a documentary podcast, and it's Cheryl Hines, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, that's oh, yeah. Cheryl Hines. Yeah, and Rachel mm-hmm. Harris has just been in a ton of movies. Um, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. very fun ladies, again. And so – Essentially what they do is they'll talk about a podcast that's like kind of new and everybody's watching at that point. But again, uh, it's, like, it's like hanging out with your friends talking about the podcast, like half the time the yeah. podcast barely gets mentioned. Um, and it's just okay. kind of, <laughs> um, so anyway, so both of those are just kind of a nice little escape, make you laugh at things. And again, make you feel like if you're stuck at home with your family that you don't want to talk to, Oh, yes. Uh, yes. With other people's families. <laughs> that's always, that's always the best, the best possible thing you can do. And I know it, like I, I get that what's happening now and what's happened before is we have to look at how much money we have to spend on these things, right? We, there's some things we just have to buy, but mm-hmm. for a lot of people, if you're unemployed or you're insecurely employed, you want to be careful about what you're spending. And even those with secure jobs might not feel safe going to stores or, you know, supporting brands that don't have the same alignment of values that they have. And so if you're rethinking your relationship to what we're talking about as consumer culture, whether that's by choice or necessity, I promise you now's time to make breaking up with consumerism easier. It starts with this one day where you will be pressured from all fronts to buy stuff. Our most precious mm-hmm. resource is not money, but it's our time and attention. And so I like to ask people, where are you spending yours? Where are you spending your time and attention most of all? Mm, I think so. Moment of silence you know, to think about that. Moment of silence. But you know what I can fill that moment of silence with, Katie? What's that? Munchie of the I didn't buy anything for Munchie of the Week. I wanted to make something for Munchie of the Week. So I made a pumpkin roll, a very seasonal pumpkin roll and it has canna icing on it oh and uh it's pretty tasty it it's it gives you a little bit of a buzz as well oh there you go i can get on i'll show you my my picture of it um because i was just i was so happy with it oh well come on so good it's so good um i'm gonna try not to eat all of it before turkey day (laughs) but definitely half is gone that slept through turkey day (laughs) i did i did look fingers crossed fingers crossed Oh, goodness. Oh, thank you, Katie, for being on today. I think we're going to skip our out of this world. I think everything we've said has been out of this world. Just unbelievable. That's what I think. 
best to know to know <laughs> some of this stuff. But can you tell our stoner lights where they can find you around the web and check you out? Absolutely, you can uh, find me on Instagram at Kate D Dudley, um, or every Tuesday night if you're in the Los Angeles area. Every Tuesday night at seven thirties at at seven thirties seven thirty at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, um, where I host yes. a show. Yes, yes. Go check comedy out at Flappers. Uh, Flappers has been around for a while. I always stop by there when I hit the town back up um, in Burbank on Magnolia Boulevard, guys. Make sure to go check it out. Otherwise, you know where we'll be. We'll be on Instagram at Stoned and Social, like Rock and Roll. And you can come over to the Digital Crib, take a nap with me, have some organic munchies this year otherwise we will be here same place same time next week don't forget namaste saving your money save your money bye guys save it